VoiceAmerica.com. Eddie George Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to Radio by George with your host, NFL superstar, Eddie George. For the next hour, Eddie and his guests will enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Now here's the man of the hour, Eddie George. Welcome, welcome everybody to another great edition of Radio by George. I'm your host of the day. Eddie George, obviously, and I welcome you to a special, special, special show. Man, I've been so excited about this show for the past couple of weeks. As you may know, not only am I a huge football fan, but I'm a huge lover of music, particularly hip-hop. And today we have a few special guests on our show. Before I get to them, I want to kind of give a recap of my weekend. It was an eventful weekend. Had a chance to go to Canton, Ohio to watch the inductions of my, my former teammate Bruce Matthews, uh, Michael Irvin, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Charlie Sanders of Detroit, and a couple of other uh, inductees that came on in. It was a, a great, great, great performance. I mean, it was just a great induction, a great ceremony, and some great um, speeches given by all the inductees and one that really stood out to me was Charlie Sanders and how he dedicated that position to his mom he wanted to look in the camera and said hi mom and his mom died uh, years well I guess he was, but right before he was born and how he always wanted to do that so there was his opportunity on that stage to do that and Michael Irvin I mean golly for those of you who watched the Cowboys back in the day, and Michael Irvin was the glue to the team. I mean, he he held that team together. You talk about a trifecta. He was the guy, the receiver, the the emotional and spiritual leader that held this team together. And like most of you may know, he had his troubles in the past with with drugs and and women, and and he exposed himself on stage so much. I mean, he had everybody in the crowd crying. I mean, he stripped himself naked, exposing himself of his faults and how he didn't want his sons to do it like he did it, but do it like others have done it. And how he got on his knees and prayed to God and said he was in the threshold. And how he said, God, where do I go from here? And he said he heard a voice come over him. And he said, get up, stand up, and don't give up. And, man, that was, that was an inspiring inspiration to me because that was my first time there at the Hall of Fame inductions. And, wow, it, it was just amazing. And it leads me to this. I have a couple of Hall of Famers on my show today. Not in the field of football, but in the, the music world. And I can recall growing up in Philadelphia, I believe it was 19... 84, 85, somewhere around there, and I'm watching Yo MTV Raps, and I see this cat with these glasses on, these shades, the cowboy hat, talking about the wild, wild west, and I would like to introduce a Hall of Famer in his own right, my main man, Cool Mo D. 
I mean, you know what, man? I begged my mom for weeks, man, to give me a pair of those glasses. Man. <laughs> the glasses, the hat, the wild, wild west. You know? Like, yeah! I mean, that, that I was like, I was telling my wife, man, I was like, man, I got cool mode coming on. I said, what, what, how could you? I said, I can go for days just talking to this man. I mean, first of all, man, what, what's, what's going on in your world right now? Man, every everything and 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 keeping it moving uh, below the radar is basically what I always call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting money below the radar, writing screenplays. Uh, nice. Got my own uh, uh, talk show getting ready to start. Uh, oh, we hey. launch it on the internet first, but we'll take it to cable shortly after that. Nice. Uh, nice. Now, where can we where, where can we get the information about your radio show? Uh, the talk show, actually. No, it's going to actually be a, a video talk show streamline. Uh, uh, it's on imhiphop.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kumo D uh, Spitfire, Kumo D Cam D360, and it's going to be a, a, a forum where we can add what I call a relevant conversation to a, a genre of music that has been completely uh, denigrated in the last five, six years, in my opinion. So we really? want to upgrade it. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I think hip hop has been. In some cases, fairly, but in more cases than not, unfairly uh, misrepresented uh, nowadays because corporate America has taken over and we got mm-hmm. number crunches making decisions, and it's almost like uh, nobody's really, really taken any real consideration for especially, uh, you know, not just uh, black youth, but uh, black youth in particular, right. uh, you know, with the, the content that's coming over the airwaves. I'm like, come on, man, this is a Yeah, big yeah, I mean, let's, let's, hey, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, you know, this, this, there was this, a big this. issue um, weeks ago about... The N word mm-hmm. and the use of it in our in our in our in our, in our music and our culture, right. and how they had this big funeral, funeral service for it. I thought it was ridiculous. Yes, but yes. I agree. Let's talk about <laughs> the evolution of hip hop from where you came from, where Melly Mel came from. It was more conscious back then. It was accepted. Mm-hmm. It was an art form. I mean, you go on the blocks. It was the two DDs, the mic, and the MC, and it was battling. It was fun. It right. was something to do. But now corporate America has got a hold of it. Absolutely. And it almost seems to me they dictate what's hot. Oh, without question. Well, it's not even that they dictate. What they're dictating is uh, anything that falls under the paradigm of big business will always be swallowed as like a black hole mm. because the, the rules of big business is make money or bust. That's literally what it is. Any corporation, anybody that's a stockholder, uh, or says anybody that's a, that's a manager of a corporation, he's indebted to the stockholders to to make money. And I think they have a formula, literally, like they, they have to earn five percent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a five percent increase in their in their revenue. Otherwise, you know, they got to cut corners and cut people and cut jobs and make it look like they're still making a profit because that's what the business is about. <clears throat> so once big business started taking over, uh, the art form became secondary because what what happened with hip hop in particular. In 1980, well, really 1979, when uh, Rapper's Delight was made, mm-hmm. uh, it started to go in the business direction immediately because most of us thought that the the group Sugar Hill Gang was a passe group, but it exploded all over the country and it had this number one record. So we followed suit and started making records, and nobody believed in it. Nobody thought it was going to last at all, so they didn't really take it too seriously. And then uh, 
by the late 80s when you had Public Enemy and KRS-One and all of this political consciousness started happening, it felt like, in my opinion, uh, I saw the industry get a little nervous yeah. because once you start having anything that seems to lend itself to what would be viewed as black radicalism, That's right. That's we, right. because, you know, we did have the 60s and the 70s that preceded right. it, so we saw the Black Panthers and we saw the Malcolm Xs or whatever, and it felt like hip-hop was going in that direction. And I tell people, magically, we started having gangster rap being promoted. No, no, no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, isn't, that isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how all of a sudden it's gangster rap and it was downgrading the black man? I mean, exactly. Because so, Public Enemy, I mean, everybody had the fist up. You had Paris that was out there. You had X-Clan teaching righteousness. Yeah. You had a poor righteous teacher. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a, a huge trend, and all of a sudden people yeah. said, we want to dance. <laughs> which was always there, which is cool because yeah. we always had the balance. The key was uh, in the late 80s, because I, I consider that the glory years or whatever, the peak or the pinnacle of hip-hop's uh, zone, but the Renaissance era is bef right before we started making records, the late 70s, and that's where it was a balance of, you know, really kind of like party and call and response and us really expressing ourselves and, and staying out of trouble, kind of, really is what it really was. And mm -hmm. once we saw the potential of where it could go and what you actually could say, uh, Millie Mel is instrumental in that because when he made the record, The Message, in 1982, right. it was like, oh, wait a minute, we can go there? <laughs> like we, we never even thought that we could be politically conscious or socially conscious, and, and on, on wax, that is. I mean, we were there because we lived through it, but uh, by the time it got to the late 80s, like I said, when the public enemy and all that stuff started, it felt honestly like corporate America made a decision that this wasn't going to be to the benefit of their benefit, I should say, and they started literally investing, and that's what I tell people all the time. It was an investment in gangster rap. That's it right. didn't just happen. There was an organic side because you had brothers from the West Coast that were talking about their gang experience, mm -hmm. but the investment that was put behind it, and the investment was put more behind the imagery and the negativity because you didn't even realize that a lot of what Ice Cube was saying at the time back then, uh, this is before Snoop even, they were basically saying that they were being harassed by the police and they were being, you know, uh, treated badly. And and because of the language and the persona, what they right. did is they marketed the language and the persona and overrode the substance. Mm. So the whole East Coast, West Coast thing started because we weren't understanding the substance that was coming from the West Coast about what they were talking about. They were not necessarily promoting gang violence. They were actually talking about where they came from. Mm -hmm. And, again, once the videos got involved and the visuals got involved, it got to a point where, and, again, a lot of these brothers were younger, so, you know, you're still dealing with teenage mindsets for the most for the most part. So it wasn't like that, that position was really clearly articulated anyway. So the energy took over and the money got behind it. And next thing you know, you know, Tupac and Biggie, uh, yeah, once, yeah, once they die, yeah. and we just got into this space where... Uh, uh, we we started losing the essence of what the purpose of, w of what we were doing the art form in the first place was. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions out there, if you're listening, you look on your screen. You can call in to 866-472-5787. I'm on with hip-hop legend Cool Mo D. Now, let me ask you this, Cool. Uh, you talk about, you know, the, the time and period in the 80s when it was conscious rap. It was about loving the art form, doing it for fun because it was a passion. Right. When did when did that that uh, point come in time? The point in time when we started degrading women. It was that during that gangster rap era, and and it was uh, degrading the black man. When did that started to happen? It was a combination of uh, gangster rap, which I don't say solely did that because you mm -hmm. still had uh, misogynistic energy. Anytime you're dealing with adolescent men, 
who are dealing with high levels of hormones and testosterone, high levels of sexual aggression, and high levels of rejection, because, you know, a lot of us weren't sharp, savvy, or mm-hmm. polished. <laughs> you know, women right. kind of, girls mature a little faster than boys. Uh, hip-hop was the only art form that really spoke out about stuff that we would really, you know, the R&B singer took the approach of singing and serenading, and the hip-hop uh, artists took the approach of somewhat attacking. And what happened is when the gangster era came in, it started to get to a point where it went from just regular male-female youthful kind of bickering into this zone where it really got denigrating and misogynistic because to say that you didn't care about women and to classify them as hoes, so to speak, became something that was fashionable. Yeah, because you know, it, it, if you go back to Richard Pryor and Red Fox or whatever, yeah. there was a mastery in the way they told their stories and their jokes. So a lot of the stuff might have been kind of foul towards women, but they were telling stories where, in many cases, they were the butt of the joke. Yeah. So you exactly. got there was a balance to it, and in, right. and in hip hop, when it got to that zone, unfortunately, there was no balance. And the other side of that is women notoriously have made records about men not holding their own, and you know, ain't nothing going on but the rent, and those kinds of things have always been women anthems, but. In hip-hop, it, it, it's more of a battle zone. So what started happening, because it's more of a male-dominant uh, art form, it was almost like, without the wisdom, we were attacking you know, something that's like the jewel and the backbone of our community and not even understanding the ramifications of it. Like, this goes way beyond sex or sexual frustration. But again, you're dealing with adolescent minds, so I think that's what kind of really, an, or in an organic sense, because I think that part wasn't necessarily really manipulated. That was an organic sense by speaking to a frustration in a lot of youth. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break right now, cool, and we're going to come back. Hopefully, guys will call in at 866-472-5787. We'll talk more hip-hop and politics when we come back in a minute, y'all. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at one 866 472-5787 1-866-472-5787 That's it The Kerry Douglas Show with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine Kerry Douglas By tuning in weekly you will gain insight tips and tools to help get your career started from how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Carrie Douglas Show. Join Carrie each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas. Your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? 
Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Yes, yes, welcome back. I'm here with Cool Modi, helping me out today on Radio by George, talking about hip-hop, talking about the origin of hip-hop, how it was formed, and how it's kind of uh, taking a turn for the better or for the worse. We don't know, but we're trying to get to, to that point. But here I would like to also join with me a legend in his own right, also a Hall of Famer, Melly Mel. Uh, Melly Mel, what, 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 what up, Eddie George? How you doing, How you doing man? Uh, it's all good. I'm trying to live. Yeah, yeah, we on here with uh with Cool Mo D as well. Oh yeah, what's up what's going on, Mo? What's up, Big Millie? Hey, it's all good. Muscle Simmons. <laughs> hey, Muscle Simmons. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> That's just a good one. Sure, man. Well we were just talking about uh hip hop and, and the origin, how it was formed. Let me ask you a question, Mel. How do you define hip hop? Well, I mean, the, the official uh, definition of what hip-hop is is uh, the arts of uh, MC and DJing, uh, breakdancing, and graffiti, which are those uh, basic four elements, mm-hmm. was what uh, uh, and put together is what made hip-hop what it is. And I think now uh, hip-hop is more or less defined just the rap part, which kind of takes it out of the realm of, Hip hop as we would know it, or or or, or as hip hop being a, a music culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what it basically is: it's the art of DJing, breakdancing, right. and graffiti. You know, and when you put all those together, that's what gives you the culture of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Now, before you got on, uh, Kumo D and I were talking about the uh, the evolution of hip hop and and how um, it's kind of falling off pretty much and the content that's used is garbage and you know back when you guys were were hot at the pinnacle of your careers you were talking about something and and how the the music industry and how record companies are controlling the content and really the blaming it on us like okay it's coming from your social environment but that's what they're allowing on the radio so I guess my question I guess my question to you is do you feel like today's torch barriers have sold out? Well, I, I think uh, I think I think in itself everybody has sold out. 
uh, what what hip hop is and what it really meant to people. You know, because like when we first did it, I mean, we we didn't start out making socially relevant rap or making any kind of statement. We was just guys that came from the inner cities that used rap as a way out of the inner cities. You know, just to go around the world, travel, meet people. You know, make money, of course. And mm-hmm. uh, and and what's going on? And what's the difference between what what they do with hip hop now? These cats, and I don't know if it's you know if you could place the blame on the record companies or the industry or the media, or if you could place the blame on the cats themselves. They've used hip hop as a way to lock people into being in the ghetto. Like in other words, on the streets on the streets of of the inner cities, it's cool to be and stay in the mm-hmm. ghetto. So that, so in other words. What was always a temporary thing, or what was meant to be a temporary thing for years, even before my generation, and this is what my parents was, 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 had taught me, is that we're in the ghetto, but your whole reason to be in the ghetto is to get out of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Right now, the guys are very comfortable with just, you know, standing on the corner, selling dope to people, you know, doing all of those things that would lock people into the ghetto. And, and, I, and like I said, I, I, I don't know who to place that blame on, but, I mean, don't nobody actually pick and choose what comes out of these guys' mouths, you know, whether somebody's going to promote it or not. Yeah. You know, you have a free reign to say whatever it is you want to say. And then even going beyond that, once mm-hmm. you got to the point where your records have sold and you've made money, yeah. what's the problem with coming back and helping your community, which none of these brothers seem to do? They don't have, they don't make no effort to come back in their community and help. What they do do is they come back in their neighborhood and hang out with a bunch of dope dealers, and it just makes the whole dope game seem more more uh, romantic than 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 what it would need to be. I see. See, that, that's that's the next argument is that they what's going to be said is well, hip hop is the or was the number one uh, music genre in the world, and where everybody's making money. So what's the big fuss about? Well, because you're making money at the at the expense of the audience, as opposed to anything that enhances the, the life of the majority, the core audience. And the mm-hmm. people that are buying it that are outside of the hip-hop audience, or should I say outside of the ghetto environment, they don't have to deal with the same pressures and the same uh, situations that those of us that are living in those ghettos. One of the most poignant things I heard Tupac say is, all those guys that are going in and out of jail, when you let them out, they live next door to me. So I don't get away. I don't have a chance to get away from the crime. You can look at it almost like looking at it on TV mm-hmm. or looking at it in a video and get to, you know, you can fantasize or romanticize about it positively or negatively, if you will. But for us, it's tangible. When that guy gets out of jail, he's literally my neighbor. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to him and you're talking about that kind of, that, that, when you're energizing those uh, thought processes, and, and I would even build on what Mel would say, and saying the ghetto, in my opinion, the flaw is not necessarily in the environment, it's the mindset that creates and, 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 and de-hances, if you want to, if you will, and that doesn't enhance the environment. So if you couldn't physically get out of the ghetto, at least mentally you would be trying to build it so that it is somewhere that you could stay because it is a physical impossibility for all of us to get out of it. So what happens is the mindset of making it cool to be in it, in the state it's in, is where the bigger problem is. Mm-hmm. So, like, for, for artists that have, have made it big and have money, you feel they have a, a social responsibility to go back to their, to their neighborhoods and help rebuild I think the, I think they have a, a, a social responsibility, but the one harshest lessons, one of the harshest lessons I learned, you know, from being a kid and watching TV, mm-hmm. my, my heroes were always my three all-time heroes: are Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just you know kung fu, but it's his social philosophy thing was over the <laughs> yeah. top. But for me, what it was that I, that made me resonate with Ali in particular 
is what he said and what he spoke on completely related to not only what we were going through as black people in, in, in underprivileged environments, but also just on a social commentary. He, he kind of exposed it on a world level, on a global level. And hip-hop has the ability to do that now. But the harshest lesson I learned is many people got in the business without any of that stuff in them. They literally just wanted to get out of the ghetto and, and make money, and that was their only intent and their only purpose. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like... Uh, the record company went to the neighborhood and, well, they didn't even go to the neighborhood because we bought them, the, the, bought them to us by coming in. Right. But for, for all intents and purposes, the record company went to the neighborhood and said, the pimp speaks quicker and slicker than the garbage man. Hmm. And he has an appeal that we can actually sell because what I always say is almost like reality TV on wax now. It's not that these things didn't and these elements didn't exist in the ghetto all the time, but at this point, they're now signing the lowest level of the lower echelons of the ghetto and making it cool for the lower realms, because even the drug dealers back in the day would always tell the young guys not to sell drugs. Mm -hmm. They understood what they were doing was wrong, and, you know, again, they got caught up for what they got caught up for whatever reason they were, but they always had some kind of social consciousness, even as a hustler. Now what's happening is you've got the hustler glorifying the hustle and, ex- and, and exploiting people and telling you it's cool and being glorified as a hero while selling drugs to the community. He gets out of the community and leaves the drugs in it. So the only thing that happens is the community gets worse and worse while he gets to live on a hill somewhere, and we glorify that. So that wasn't the movement back in the day at all. So and, I think and, 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 and I guess in my, in my, in my sight is that hip-hop really catapulted once it was accepted by commercial. I mean, that means white teenagers were buying our music. Right, and it seems like they 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 were fantas they they romanticized about how our our culture was, how we lived, and and going in the hood, and what we talked about our language, and it's the everyday life. They they were enamored with that, and they yeah. wanted to buy that. Well, it was swagger. It's all swagger. Yeah, it's all that swagger. Style, style over substance. And but that's now, does that have longevity? Now, where does hip hop go? It seems like that's the the root of hip hop are our stories. You only can get shot so many times. You only can get <laughs> so many times. How how does hip hop evolve? Where does hip hop go from here? The paradigm will absolutely think, shift. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, I think it's a question of whether or not the uh, the industry and the media is going to allow uh, hip hop to mature. Because mm-hmm. as, as, it, as everyone knows, and it's not a secret, we've been doing uh, uh, hip hop music for going on 30, close to thirty years. And they still been talking about the same thing that they've been talking about with all that gangster rap and that street content for the past fifteen years. So now, where is it at the point of hip hop where you're going to have a, a, a brother like me or, or Mo or even a brother a little younger or even a little old enough start talking about issues that concern us that still hip hop related or that still people related? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you can't just keep it juvenile because hip hop is no longer a juvenile situation. And when you look at how, how much the record sales are, or and how much the record sales have, have dropped, and they be trying, and they'll try to say, well, it's because people download. No, it's not because people download. It's because people around my age level is not going to buy records that that they know is doing nothing for them, and, mm-hmm. and it just don't mean what a record is supposed to mean. And 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 so with the, with that thought in mind, the industry is going to have to get to the point where they realize that hip hop has matured. That, that that is people is millions of people all over the world just like myself that love hip hop true hip hop but I'm not I'm not supposed to relate to Fifty Cent it's not that I don't and I and, I, and I'm not cool because I don't or I'm not hip because I I don't I'm mm-hmm. a grown man I'm yeah, 40 you, years old yeah, you got kids to be yeah, you be honest. right 
Whatever he's going through, that's what young people go through. And if they want to relate to that on that level, then they got a couple of years to do that before they can mature. And, and the point is, even people that relate to 50 Cent, in the next five years, they'll have more to, they'll relate to me more than they're going to relate to him because you, you have to mature and you have to evolve. So that's the one thing that's, that, that has to happen in hip hop or the sales and the popularity actually will, will, uh, would, would decline. Yeah. Yeah, and in my opinion, uh, you know, I DJ on the side. You know, it's a little hobby, in case you didn't know that. But from what I hear, you know, I play a lot of old school stuff because that's my era in the night, late 90s, mid 90s, and some stuff in the 2000s, all right. But, there, you know, the, the content is there. I think that right now it's such producer-driven. I mean, whatever sounds good, you're going to dance to. And you don't really hear what they're saying. It doesn't make sense. I mean... You got rock your hips and, I mean, just simple stuff. <laughs> you know, there's nothing deep and meaningful behind it. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please feel free to call in or chime in or if you have any comments to talk to two of the greatest pioneers in hip-hop, Melly Mel and Cool Mo D. You can call in at 866-472-5787. So stick around. Stay tuned in a minute, y'all. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Welcome back to Radio by George. I'm on with Cool Mo D and Melly Mel. I would like to apologize if you're getting some type of feedback. We are having some uh, technical difficulty, but we're working it out. Like we're going to work out the whole mindset of hip-hop. 
Now, Cool Mo D. Mm-hmm. We talk about the African culture and and the mindset and all this. What what is your take on that on on that particular topic? Well, I think the the main thing is we we have to start really pushing ourselves to elevate in a conscious level because I remember way way back from being in school, the guy that did his homework uh, and and knew his lessons and and spoke well was auto- automatically classified as a nerd, and the guy that knew less and didn't do the homework and cut class or whatever was always defined as cool, which, quite frankly, is why I even named myself cool, because I was one of the guys that did my work and was smarter than the rest of the class. Now, I won't go that far. It was the guys that were smarter than me. I was an average student. But I was also coming from the standpoint of smart is cool. Uh, you know, doing your work and passing your classes is cool. And I had this swagger that the quote-unquote hustler or the street guy or thug had. I had the swagger with the brain. So my thing was, it wasn't enough to just say, you know, just say no. It was like, nah, get that away from me. I'm going to smack in your mouth. You know, that <laughs> right, kind of right. mindset. And I think what happens is we never see the same moxie or swagger coming from the intellect side. So uh, what I loved about Public Enemy in particular, which is, you know, my all-time favorite hip-hop group, which is why I keep bringing them up, is Chuck D came off with an intelligence and power mm-hmm. most intelligence doesn't get viewed in a potent level mm-hmm. so i'm saying that in black america while everybody feels good about what we're saying i'm saying to the black businessmen and the people that really care about the community you have to really really start believing in this as power you can't mm-hmm. just feel good about it yeah. and say yeah well you know but the kids only want this that's not true the kids basically are being dictated to by what is on and what is selling yes we have to get the sonics right we have to get the dynamics right and ultimately say, music is about sonics. vibration well, so when you say sonics what does that mean sonics? the sonics on the music the sound has to be right okay. it has to it has to feel good because that's the ultimate the one uh, constant in music is what feels feels good usually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jackson, you can say whatever you want about him. If he comes back with an album that sounds right, yeah, he's yeah. going to sell because yeah. it feels good. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is what we're now thinking feels good may feel good musically or sonically, if you argue, even, which is argumentative in itself, mm-hmm. but you can almost put any content over music that feels good. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening now. Just the content is what needs to be changed, and we need to make a, a concerted effort to really, really start to move the content in a different way. And I don't mean benign, and I don't mean you know uh, corny or, cl- or cliche, so to speak. But there's ways ways to be creative and bring positive energy back. And again, because you're moving. When I listen to Stevie Wonder and Earth, Wind and Fire and all that stuff from the, uh, the early, the late mid '70s, I'm motivated by what they're saying. It right. feels good, and it's a positive message. Now, now, let me ask you this: Who today thinks? Who do you think carries that on? Kanye West is Kanye the West, uh, Common. I, I believe Kanye West and Common are the, are, are the two, and it's amazing that they both come from the Midwest mm-hmm. because at least what you feel is the effort. And I think uh, what Common does is more in a poetic zone, mm-hmm. and it's not really about dancing. And Kanye does give you a little bit of a balance where he'll have music that you can dance to as well as music to listen to. Mm-hmm. So. I just think that we need more of that coming. More of that's going to come anyway, because organically I can feel people getting tired of it. I, I've been through this. Uh, this is like this will be the so fourth really, round. So really, this is just a cycle that we're that we're going through. Like, yeah, we always going through. It's, it's definitely going to happen. happen and and, and once once one thing blows up, trust me, everybody will follow suit because the music industry business wants the dollars wherever it comes from. So you feel really feel like Common Sense or good Common Common now and, and Kanye West are holding it down. Yeah, those are the main really, two. Really and you push forth that movement. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mel, do you have any uh, any thoughts on on the um, on the artist today? Well, I mean, uh, as a as a as well, common and number is the is the exception. I mean, I, I would say that that uh, if you can compare it to the level that it was, 
Common and Kanye don't actually add a balance, but at least they, like like Mo said, uh, the effort is there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So because the music is just so one-sided. I mean, and and and, and like as far as effect-wise, it is it, no effect because you, for every one Common and Kanye, is the whole the weight of the whole other side of the industry that just bears down upon them. Mm-hmm. And so it it has no effect. I mean, I mean, uh, Kanye is a factor as a producer, but he's not necessarily a factor as an artist. And neither and neither is a uh, common. So who would I you mean? Say? They make nice records, but uh, and, and 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 there's nobody because the way the industry dictates it, they don't want that. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? The, 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 the thing that the industry doesn't want most is just somebody that's making sense. But what I think is just what they don't want most is just to see a maturity within the music, you know. So that, in other words, in other words, uh, to see a grown man or even a grown woman, for that matter, talk about grown woman issues. Like when, when what was the rap record that ever came out that any one of those females talked about raising a kid? I mean, for something as simple as that, as many females that would one day have to grow up to raise a kid, why wouldn't a female make that record? Or why wouldn't a, a, a you know, a record company even at, that should be that would be a record company's dream to have a record that would have female issues on a mature mm-hmm. level. Other than you know, the only female issue is I'm going to hold my nigga's gun. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? And you, and you that's, wonder that's, why that's I'm that's a female issue. Saying, right? You see what I'm saying? So, no. so, 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 what, what, what Mo is is, is is dictating to, and what I'm saying is like the balance is just. Is so one-sided that, like, uh, like uh, you know, Kanye Common, they there, and there's, uh, there's a few other guys out there that that tried to do it, but they they're not. It's not a. It, they, they don't make an impact like how the message. You know, you don't have an impact like making records like you know the message of White Lines or or even Run DMC is like that. There's no records and there's no groups that have that kind of impact because the uh, the industry is not it is not dictating, mm-hmm. and, and for the most part, the the, the uh, artists themselves. They're not really trying to take it in in that direction because I mean, just like Mo said, if you just talk just the basic sonics and just the sound of the music, you could put anything behind hot music. So why is it that they just keep constantly concentrating on everything that's negative about the music instead of just you know uh, uh, being creative enough to to uh, to balance it out? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because because I you know I had you know I always conversate with a lot of cats and I was conversating with Ice T. We kicking it back and forth, and he said something that was very very interesting and very true. When was the last important rap record made? Yeah, important, yeah. and and that's been years. Is the last important rap record was years ago, and not even the last ten years. Right, right. I mean, you got you have to go way back, like the. Maybe it might have been Crossroads, the, the last recent important record. And that's only maybe. That's not saying that that definitely was the last important record. Maybe, maybe Tupac, even been Tupac further back than that. that. Maybe yeah, Tupac, Tupac brothers had a baby some, or something like that. Now, now, you know now uh, recently you said that, you know, guys like Tupac, KRS-One, Rakim, they couldn't make your top ten list. Who said that? Melly Mel. Oh, okay. As I say, yeah, because see, because see, Melly Mel holds uh, uh, MCing in the true context of MCing, and not just what you hear on records. So, mm-hmm. in other words, me, me saying that, and what I mean it is, is very simple, and, and I'm explaining it, and it's not going to take a lot of time. To be an MC has nothing to do with what record you made. Mm-hmm. So, now, so now, most of those cats that we're talking about, if they didn't have a hot record. 
they would not even be able to step on stage with enough confidence to to, to even call themselves an MC mm-hmm. because their, their their whole career was basically record driven. Now cats like Mo, me, all the early cats, it, it, uh, uh, we we didn't. We, I mean, and I and I've had uh, the, the the blessings to make some of the more popular records. But still, without a record, cold, hot, indifferent, in the studio, outside the studio, on stage, you can go up there and you can be a, a, a good MC. Mm-hmm. A cat like Rakim, great lyricist, probably the great, if you want to just say lyricist. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. Great lyricist, but on stage he was always, I mean, he was anticlimactic, to say, to say, to, to say at best. He was anticlimactic. Uh-huh. So how was, he, he, could, he couldn't be in the top ten. MCs. A lot of cats that, that 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 they would say like make the top ten, Biggie, Pac. If you don't consider yourself an MC, how could you make the top ten of being an MC? You just couldn't do it. You see what I'm saying? So now, so that term MC, and as far as the uh, and as far as the level of of uh, as far as the level that you would want to hold people to, from me, from my perspective, mm-hmm. is much higher than the average person. Uh, would would set that bar. I would set it very high because I know I know the true I know the, the you know the true uh, uh, rules of what MCN is and is is three sixty is 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 writing the rhymes is it's uh it, 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 as far as going back means even how you hold the mic is your stage presence is how you maneuver the crowd. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah, I don't know. Like dropped out. <clears throat> what I was gonna say, I build on that a little bit differently because I, I've actually written a book called "There's a God on the Mic," and I, okay. and I, and I broke down 17 categories. And uh, this is a debate that goes on in hip hop circles forever. And the, mm-hmm. the, what I did is I kind of put it in context and said, uh, and I made sports analogies also. It's just like, uh, of course, you know, in the NFL, when the scoring was down, what they started doing is making it easier for the offense to quote unquote score. You know, the the mm-hmm. hand checking on defense and what pass interference actually is and how you can't hold the waist and five yards bumping and all of that stuff. The same thing happens in the NBA. When Bill Russell comes in, they have to widen the lane and he's now blocking shots. You know, so what happens, in my opinion, for the MC is you have a, a different uh, skill set that you might have to call on because now that the, the average MC grows up, he's in a zone where making records is a part of it, where we grew up where it wasn't a part of it. it it's, it's So for me, on sometimes I, I kind of grade on a different curve because I have to lend it, I have to lend the skill set and the ability of the skill set to the genre and the era that they're growing up in. So if Allen Iverson is grown in an era where the lane is one level and three-second violation is no defensive three-second violation back then, his scoring may be totally different than it would have been in the 60s. Yeah, but it doesn't. In my opinion, it doesn't necessarily negate him from being a great basketball player. It's just you can only do what you can do for the time you're in. So what my thing is, as opposed to the separation, I try to bridge the gap because one of the biggest things I think we do: racism, sexism, ageism, classism. In the mm-hmm. ageism portion of that, we separate ourselves based on the errors. And I'm saying the real African connection would be to be able to be. We should be mentors for the guys that's coming up. Quite right. frankly. And it should be a connectivity in it. So a lot of times I say if we're in a position where we're just criticizing, that's going to be as ineffective as it is, uh, as it's actually turned out to be in many cases because it helps it stay divisive. So I think that the, the biggest and most powerful thing that we could actually do, first of all, you got to get the, get through the ego because you're dealing with an industry, back to what Mel was talking about with those guys making those records and making that effort and the imbalance that's there, they have to really believe in themselves and they have to believe in themselves beyond the records and beyond the record sales. 
So that's the other part that's, that's relevant in the MC side of it. If you're making records and they don't sell, you start to try to cater to the records that quote-unquote do sell when everybody knows that there's no record on the radio that's not been paid for, mm-hmm. there's no video that's on the video screen that hasn't been paid for. So this is about what the company chooses to invest in. And if you continue to really believe in what you do, which is why I have a lot of respect for Kanye and uh, Common in particular, is because at the very least, there's always something substantive in the equation. And most rappers that do try it, or MCs, if you will, or rappers, depending on how you define them, they don't really stick to the equation because they, like I said, they feel it, but they don't believe in it. And we have to get to the point where we believe in it. So what do you say to a guy that, that's, that's coming up right now, and he listens to your, your message, he says, you know what, forget all that. I'm making money. You know, he's probably an old school rapper. He had his time. He's probably bitter because he's not re- receiving the fruits that that he paved the way. Is this, you see the same thing in professional sports. I'll get that. That's we'll do that after the break. We'll come back in a minute. Okay? okay. I appreciate it. Hold on. The experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your questions that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com everything you want everything you want to do and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips people think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult guess what it doesn't all you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Yo, welcome back. I'm back with Melly Mel and Cool Mo D, two of the hip hop's pioneers, getting their thoughts on the state of hip hop today and where we need to go. First of all, Cool Man, where, where did you go to school? I mean, you're dropping some heavy, <laughs> some heavy knowledge. 
I went to a, day. Uh, uh, well, my high school is Norman Thomas. We got to give that shout out always, always. Central Commercial uh-huh. that turned into Norman Thomas. And um, I went to college at Old Westbury, Long Island. And as I say to people all the time, I wasn't a great student. So you know, there's there's intellect and then there's smart. <laughs> so I think I was I was as intelligent as I was smart, but uh, I was able to maneuver through college a little better. And I think. Uh, College was a place where I learned it wasn't what you think. It was more about how you think. Uh, how you think right. is what, how you contextualize things and, and how you interpret information. That's right. That's right, man. I mean, knowledge is power, in my opinion. And Absolutely. You can never stop learning and growing because that's how you build wealth. Absolutely. And I, I was going to say, to answer your question, which you said right before the break, mm-hmm. when you said, uh, you know, what would I say to a guy that's just making money? It's like, that's right. well, again, everybody, and you touched on this also, everybody can be the flavor of the month, but you're talking about building wealth, having mm-hmm. staying power and longevity, if, if you're in it for that, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And remember, you can't, it's just like a hustler or a drug dealer, if you're making money at the expense of your people or at the expense of your environment or at the expense of your family, what you're basically doing is you're creating your own cancer. Mm-hmm. So the money is never going to be the end-all, be-all. It's it's a great elixir. It's a great, uh, you know, lubricant for you, you know, to make things a little smoother for you. But at the end of the day, if you don't know how to money, manage your money, you don't know how to maintain your money, right. you don't even realize that the record company gave you a million dollars, and if you go buy a million-dollar house, you're already behind the eight ball because you owe half of that to taxes, right. and you probably mismanage the rest of the money by putting whatever you put into the house. Yeah. So having a million doesn't make you a millionaire, and you right. need to learn how to... Create zones where your money can actually work for you. That's the real secret to actually keeping money in a longevity sense. So making money and saying, I'm just making money and so what, uh, is I would call it youthful arrogance back with youthful ignorance. And <laughs> unfortunately, because back to the ageism thing, uh, I would say again, the responsibility on our side for the older guys, and, this, and I'm taking this approach, and, and like I said, with my own talk show coming up this, this fall. And where, where, I, where can we get it? At IamHipHop.com, okay. uh, Kumo D. Spitfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm basically doing is I'm taking a position saying the mentors also have to find a way to reach the kids because that's a, that's an eternal, everlasting struggle anyway. When we were first coming up with hip-hop, my mother and, and other mothers would, like, turn that stuff down. That ain't real music. What are you doing? That's right. So, and I say part of hip-hop's condition today is because the older generation didn't embrace us when we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And now that it's really gone in a way <laughs> that's deg- degrading and degrading or whatever, uh, we really need uh, adult mentorship more than ever now because a lot of these guys are going into the same pitfalls that we're going into. And what it, one of the bigger turning points in the mid-'90s were when Melly Mel became quote-unquote old school and being viewed as not valuable from a commercial standpoint, Mm -hmm. what it did is it validated the materialistic argument because they saw the devalue in him from a material side. But a social and a spiritual value that a Melly Mel would have to give to even a person like Biggie. Just a conversation with Biggie and Mel would upgrade Biggie. Mm. And I think we don't understand that. I love talking to older men. You know, to see Jamie Foxx talking to Sidney Poitier. If I'm doing a talk show thing, when it, if, if it lasts as long as I expect it to last, I would love to have a conversation with Oprah. Because I think what we need to understand is it's a continuum. And I'm sure you, knowing Jim Brown, and yeah, you know, yeah, the, no to, to be able to sit down and talk to Jim Brown or, or Barry Sanders, anybody came a little before you, whatever, it's like those are blessings and those are gifts. And I think that it would be great. But just oh. to play devil's advocate, again, when somebody hear, will hear you say that, they're going to say, well, you know, you have to conform to times. Mm-hmm. And how can somebody continue to have longevity if you don't adjust to what's going on? Like, 
for instance, your one-time nemesis, LL Cool J, mm-hmm. who's still making records, he's still out there doing his thing. Right. Would you consider what he's done in terms of his longevity in the game for so many years? Did he, he at some point sell out, or did he conform his style to what was going on throughout the decade? I think there's a balance to that. What LL did, in my opinion, was he conformed, but he went in the lane that he was always strongest, and that was with the ladies. So he started making records almost specifically like a balladeer. It was like the hip-hop, I Need Love. He took that and built on that, and, you know, I Can Love You Better, and the thing with Boys to Men. He's done records, so he conformed, but he also kept to his guns and stayed in the zone that was working for him. It would be totally different if LL started making gangster rap to, to, to quote-unquote, survive. Then that would be selling out. So I definitely don't consider that a sellout. And I think conforming or adjusting is fine as long as you don't lose yourself in it because yes you yeah. do you do have to change with the times to some degree but you still have to find your way to still be you within that and I think LL did an excellent job at that honestly yeah I do too man it's, it is very hard to, to to find out who you are no matter what you go through you you tend to lose who you are you have to know who right. you are going into something and coming out of it because absolutely you're looking in the mirror, at the, at the end of the day, all you have is your integrity and your reputation. Without question. So Without this question. brings me up to this part of the hour, which I always love, man. Every time I bring on new guests, I like to get to know who they are. Although we didn't get a total backstory of your background, hopefully I'll have you on again. But I like to ask questions, uh, nebulous questions. No, no, I don't have an opinion about it. It can answer however you feel. You know, it's called My Fabulous Five Questions. Cool enough. All right, let's do it, man. All right, here we go. What life experience has strengthened you the most? Uh, First of all, Mel, you still there? Yeah. I'm, okay, can tell. He might have got off. Um, the life experience that probably strengthened me the most... Well, so well, you got the social side of of heartbreaks with women, her girlfriends. <laughs> but I, I truthfully think, um, really, it's it's actually going through the down period in the hip hop career, because I think there's wisdom in the valley. What what happened for me in in going through the record label struggles, which is so funny, because a lot of people just say, oh, they fell off, they're not hot, they don't know the politics behind how artists get dropped or whatever happens. It was uh, 1992 when the record label didn't believe in me anymore, and I realized, like, oh, my goodness, it is a business. They're not really friends. They're not really in my corner. I'm a commodity. And it was such an epiphany for me that the strength in my spiritual side never never was called on at any, uh, at any deeper level, from a monetarily speaking, because I also had a tax problem at the same time, and I was going through a lot of stuff at that exact same moment, and because of where my spiritual fabric was and my spiritual fiber was, I never considered doing anything like selling drugs or doing anything negative, and I learned how to uh, exercise truly weathering the storm in the face of adversity, especially monetary adversity, which is the easiest one to break people on. Hmm. What are the largest obstacles preventing you from realizing your dreams? Um, quite frankly, the mindset of the non-believers, so to speak. I think people don't believe in themselves. They believe in industries. Uh, they believe in big business over humanity. And I think that thought process makes it very, very hard 
not impossible though because I'm still going to conquer that quite frankly uh, but they are obstacles you have to deal with a certain level of superficiality and superficial love quite frankly you know people that love you when you're hot and then you know throw dirt on you when you're not so to speak that's all ephemeral superficial uh, love and those obstacles make it a little harder for the real substance to really really shine through doesn't mean it'll stop it because it won't stop it but uh, it does make it a little harder what is your favorite sound uh, actually, a baby laughing, <laughs> a child laughing is a great sound. I mean, I, I, I keep it family because there's some other sounds I love, but <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> yeah. keep it like on the family Your level. <laughs> I love a child's laughter. If you were to die and come back as a person or thing, what do you think it would be? Uh, it would be myself again. With the wisdom of 40 at the age of five. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay, that's your answer? Yes. Come back, we'll come back as me with the wisdom of 40 uh, at the age of five so that I could uh, get a head start on trying to do it. Because like I said, in my mind, I always wanted to be uh, Malcolm X, Bruce Lee, or Muhammad Ali. Uh, Malcolm without the death, of course. All right. And final question of the hour. I hate to ask this one, man. This is the last question. I have to think this is a great show. But here we go. What is your greatest fear? This will sound very egocentric or arrogant on some level, but it can only answer the truth. I absolutely do not believe in fear. I do not. Anything that could be uh, fear-striking or evoking fear for me, I immediately conquer with the fearlessness of the thought process of the higher versus the lower. Mm. Again, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, four planes of consciousness. All planes need to be nurtured. And because most of us vibe on the lower self, the physical and the emotional, we don't really, really have true faith and belief and understanding in the higher. And a lot of times people use religion to suffice for the spirituality. And I'm saying religion can be a great vehicle if you have the higher stuff there, but it's still going to be about what you are because there's people that do great things under religious banners and there's people that do horrible things under religious banners. So it can't be the religion. It has to be the self in you. So the self in me just does not entertain here. Mm. Mm. Well, well said, man. With that being said, man, we've come to the bottom of the hour, man. It's so amazing how fast time flies, man. We're having fun. <laughs> I would like to thank Melly Mel for coming on today, sharing his insight and thoughts and experiences about hip-hop. Also, Cool Modi. He's coming out with the, he already has a book out, right? Yes, yes, The God on the Mic. There's a God on the Mic is the book. The uh, talk show is Spitfire. And the album, Immortality, ooh. will be February, Black History Month, 2008. Okay. So the 080808 is not only the day, it's my day. Yeah, it's his day. Hey, he claimed it. He's freaking it, man. Hey, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Until next time, same hour, same place, I'm Eddie George, and we're out. Peace. Have a good one, and God bless. Hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Radio by George. If you have a question or comment for Eddie and just can't wait until next Monday, you can email him at info at radiobygeorge.com. Selected emails will be read on the air so your voice can be heard worldwide. Be sure to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. See you next week.